want to thank you for joining us today on Meeting with God. Meeting with God is the radio teaching ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus, Ohio. We're in the middle of a series called Money, God's Way. And today we're going to listen to the first part of a message called My Heart Set Free to Trust God Completely. Let's go to God's Word. I want you to think with me for a second. Get your imagination on. Think about this for a second. If someone suddenly awarded you $250,000, just out of the blue. I'm not talking like you have to go, you know, apply to this. I just just awarded you $250,000, maybe an uncle you didn't know of. I don't know, somehow. And now you need to get advice on how you are going to steward that money wisely Who are the three people that you would go talk to first? Whose advice would you look to to help you decide, what am I going to do with this money? How am I going to spend it? How am I going to steward it in a way that's honoring to the Lord? Who would you go see? Can you think of some names? Who would you put your trust in? You see, trust is a really big thing. It's easy to say that I trust my neighbor. It's easy to say that I trust my family. It's another thing to have a substantive sum of money, we're talking about money, or if it's a different topic, uh, who would I trust my children with? Trust is a very, very big deal, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, The title of the message is, My Heart Set Free to Trust God Completely in this topic of money, God's way. Why don't you open your Bible with me to Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment uh, to your bones. Now again, the topic today is trust. And if we are going to be biblical stewards of God's money, and I'm not just talking about finding out a way to do a budget, I'm talking about the heart issues of which all money someday goes back to the heart. Uh, scripture says that uh, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. They're directly connected. We've been talking about that already. No need to go into that again. But this topic of trust, uh, we need to trust the Lord in salvation, Right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. When you come to Jesus Christ, you're choosing, I am trusting him with my eternal salvation. That's a trust. That's big trust. A trusting God in my family. How am I going to live as a a father, as a mother, as a child? How am I going to relate to others? How are we going to live our lives? Are we going to trust God? Or are we going to trust others? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. But here now, what we're talking about today, we're not talking about uh, the gospel explicitly. We were always talking about the gospel in the sense that all of God's words and all of God's truth is about salvation in Jesus Christ. That what we're talking about today in money is certainly uh, the natural implications. If I'm, if I'm worshiping Jesus Christ, if I'm a believer in Jesus Christ and he has saved me from my sin... Well, does that have any implications for my family and for my finances? Uh, The answer is yes. Some people compartmentalize their lives and suffer the result. 
They, they go to church on Sunday. They worship God for three hours a week. But the rest of the week is I do things my own way or how I learned in college or how my family told me how to do things. And as we're learning together as disciples of Jesus Christ, uh, I want 24-7 to be about the truth of God's word, about living out the gospel in every way. That's why we're here. Why don't you write this down in your notes, the first point that uh, you will want to know. Faithful stewardship involves trusting God completely in your finances. Uh, The foundation of all biblical finances is that God owns everything. That's a great place to start. If you're confused about that, none of the rest of this will make sense entirely or at all, partially, any of that. God owns it all, but then if you can imagine a three-legged stool right next to me that I'm about to sit on um, here, uh, the seat itself is biblical or faithful stewardship. And that's the goal as a believer in Jesus Christ to be a faithful steward of our resources. Because it belongs to God and because I'm going back and I'm going to give an account to God, the question now is how do I become a faithful steward? Well, before I put my weight into that, I need to make sure the three legs are working. And this is where we're all learning together. There's three aspects, three very important aspects. The first is uh, we need to be working diligently. That's a huge part of what Scripture talks about. A lot of that in Proverbs, also in the New Testament, talks about if man does not work, he should not eat. There's a diligence, a work aspect to being a believer in Jesus Christ. Second of all, I need to trust God completely. We're going to look at that in detail today. And then thirdly, um, I need to uh, plan wisely with my finances. Some would say, well, I'm just going to trust God completely and just fly blind. God will let you get into a ditch because you're not living out Scripture. You're not really trusting God completely if you're not reading His Word. And so we're going to look at those three together. I think that brings great sense to this concept of finances together. Let's look back here at the text, uh, Proverbs chapter 3. Now, I'm applying these uh, verses directly to finances. They would apply to every area uh, of our spiritual walk, trusting God. But notice first, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And I'm going to ask you, when it comes to your finances, do you trust the person of God? Of course, Pastor, I I trust God. I trust, I'm going to heaven. I know that he has saved me. No, 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 I didn't ask you that. Do you trust that God will provide for you? Do you trust that God, your heavenly father, sees your needs before you do and wants to care for you and train you so that you can live out his principles for stewardship? And more importantly, he wants to care for you. Do you trust that God cares? I mean, sometimes it's easier to say that about heaven than it is about my pocketbook. Hey, though that's crazy, right? I mean, eternity is about billions and trillions and never-ending eternity. And yet often it's harder for us to trust God with $1,000 in our budget or where our resources are than it is with our eternal. And I'm going to tell you, someone who's growing in their faith is going to have to learn to trust God everywhere. It doesn't say trust in the Lord with uh, your spiritual destiny. It says trust in your Lord with all your heart. Do you trust the person of God? Here's the second question I would ask you. Do you trust the truth of God? Do you really believe that what Scripture says here, we talked last week about gathering little by little, about uh, uh, the principles for biblical stewardship. Do you really believe that that is the best way to do things? We can say, I believe all of God's word. We can say God's word is inspired. But again, it's something real when we say the truth of God's word will be the guiding light of my uh, stewardship of my financial resources. Here's the next thing. Notice in the text, 
It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Uh, I think that is where the crisis of truth comes. Um, I'll trust in God as long as I don't think it's something stupid. Okay. So you'll trust God unless you think it's something stupid. So what you're really saying is, I'm smarter than God. And I'll trust God when he makes sense to me, when he's following my plan. But when, but when, but when God's a path goes over this way a little bit, and my trajectory was going this way, now we have a crisis of truth. Who ultimately owns ultimate truth? Is it me? Is it the... A training I got in college on my finances? Is it the training my dad gave me when he told me, here's how you should run your checkbook? Is it the things I hear on, on, um, um, somewhere on the radio? Or do I trust God? Do I trust the truth of God? Here's the next verse. Notice it says, in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Uh, one commentator said this. I thought this was helpful when it comes to this acknowledging God. He says, acknowledging God also implies that we first ascertain whether what we are about to take in hand is in accordance with his precepts and then look for his a direction and illumination. A person that is acknowledging God is acknowledging the fact that in everything I do, I just don't need to know the truth of what God's word says. I'm acknowledging it by putting it into play in the real parts of my life. Here's the next question I would ask. Do you trust the outcomes of following God? Do you trust, as the text says here, verse 6, and he will make straight your paths, do you believe that when God's word says, if you do X, it will lead to Y, do you believe that God really does know where this is going? It's a question of trust. Let me give you one more. Notice here in the text, it says, be not wise in your own eyes. Do not be wise in your own eyes. How many times have I grieved the spirit of God? by not even thinking twice about being wise in my own way of thinking, so wise that I uh, go around a verse that I know is there or just don't even care to read the verse. Have you ever been there before? We are wise in our own eyes. In fact, we're so wise in our own eyes, sometimes we don't realize that we even think that we're wise in our own eyes. We're the blind fool that thinks he sees everything. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. I love this, verse 8, it says, It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. This is Pastor Luke Aarons from Vertical Church Columbus. If you're listening to Meeting with God, you're clearly interested in God's Word. One of the great joys of my life is seeing people grow together in God's Word on a weekly basis. And these messages are a part of our weekend services. If you don't have a church family, let me invite you to join us this weekend. Our church home is located in Columbus near Route 315 and Henderson Road. Details are available at verticalchurch.life. Here's the last question I would ask you from this text. Do you believe that wholeness is found in God? Do you believe that real wholeness, uh, a sense of well-being, a sense of what uh, Scripture would call shalom, of deep peace, of, of, of being in a place of peace before God and being in a settled place in just who I am, do you believe and do you trust that that comes from God and only sometimes in God? Ultimately, all wholeness is found in God. Now, you might say, well, what's the healing, Pastor? Are we talking about healing to my flesh? Well, think about this. How many diseases, physical diseases and or mental disorders are related to anxiety, fear, unhappiness, exhaustion, overwork? 
Those are all things that are related to how we view our finances or lack thereof. Given, there's a lot more in scripture about how it's gonna affect your physical body, but you just do research in the medical field. There are so many things that are directly tied to what we do. It has nothing to do with your DNA. It has to do with your choices. And if you're filled with anxiety all the time, how many people go to addictions because of anxiety? How many people make foolish decisions under pressure because they're afraid? And I'll just tell you, finances is no exception to that. There is a physical and a mental aspect of finances and how it will affect your person. It's not just a spiritual concept. Ultimately, here's the question that all of them are summed up in. Maybe you're asking this question, I trust God, but how much am I really supposed to trust God? Really? No, I mean really. I mean on Monday afternoon at 3.34 in the afternoon when you're being asked a question by somebody at work, how much do I really need to trust God? Well, the answer is right here in the text. It says, trust in the Lord with what? If you want God to partner with you in your finances, and as a child of God, you really don't have a reason not to, if you really want to experience his blessing in your finances in every season, both challenging and in abundance, as we're going to look at in a few minutes, it all comes down to this issue of trust. I read an article, a story of a man named R.J. Letourneau. Uh, maybe some of you um, have heard of him. He was a man in the 20th century that was greatly used by God. I want to tell you a little bit about his life. I found this on Giants for God. You could read about Letourneau in many different places. R.J. Letourneau is perhaps, uh, as this article wrote, one of the most inspiring uh, Christian inventors, or inspiring Christian inventors. Um, he was a sixth grade dropout, and as he was going, he eventually gave his life to Christ at a fairly young age, and he was deciding what to do with his life. And in the year 1919, as a Christian, he felt the tug to be doing more for God. I think that's something we should all feel from time to time. And he went to his pastor, a man by the name of Reverend Devil, uh, for advice. R.G. thought that anyone who was wholly committed to Christ had to become a pastor or a missionary to truly fulfill the Great Commission. And after deep prayer with his pastor, R.G. Letourneau was shocked to hear his pastor say the words that guided him for the rest of his life. His pastor told him, God needs businessmen too. That was a revelation for R.G. And he immediately began to consider, what is this whole thing about partnership but with God. That really became the driving theme of his life. Well, later when he was about 40, um, he was still trying to work out this puzzle of what does it mean to partner with God and to live for God with biblical principles in my, in my business. And when he was at age 40 in the year, uh, pay attention to this, 1927, tick-tock, tick-tock, he got this big construction job that went bad and put him $100,000 in debt. Keep in mind, that was 100 years ago. Well, the following story I want to read this to you um, shows how God works faithfully when a person chooses to serve God and not man. The surety company that had backed R.G. Letourneau on the construction job that posted this $100,000 loss was going to see to it that R.G. paid back every penny he owed. So on Letourneau's next job, the surety company demanded R.G. work on Sundays or else they would foreclose on his business, his house, on everything. 
Well, since RG's business partner was God, he gave the problem to God to solve, and the owner of the surety company, Mr. Hall, boarded a train to officially shut Letourneau down. But upon arrival to the job site the next day, something miraculously occurred. The surety man had a change of heart and allowed RG to continue. The surety company installed an account named Mr. Frost to rein in the books. What Mr. Frost found was worse than he had originally expected as he looked through RG's finances. Meanwhile, RG had skipped his yearly missions pledge uh, the year before, um, so he was committed to making good with the Lord in his commitment to missions, giving to missions. He told Mr. Frost that he had pledged $5,000 to his church for missions. Mr. Frost couldn't believe it. R.G. was so far behind, even thinking of donating to the Lord was out of the question. What Mr. Frost didn't realize is that R.G. was partners in business with God. Unbelievably, the business managed to stay afloat, and the mission's commitment was paid in full that year. Then his business hit a breakthrough. For years, R.G. Letourneau had sold the machinery that he had built for himself uh, when he got a little behind in building roads. He was a road builder. And although he still considered himself first and foremost a road construction contractor, the selling of his earth-moving equipment inventions had been a profitable sideline for him. R.G.'s attorney hinted at the idea of solving his financial woes by going full force into the manufacturing business rather than rolling the dice in the ups and downs of big construction jobs. Up until this time, roads were basically still being built by getting a whole team of men out with shovels and then using mules to pull the dirt around through and getting you know, the, the earth moving, getting the plows to break up things. They were still using mules and shovels. Well, at this point, R.G. turned his complete focus to manufacturing his machinery inventions. After that, his financial woes were a thing of the past. The following shows just the revenue. I'll, I'll read this to you. Keep in mind, keep in mind, in 1929, the economy completely crashed. He was $100,000 in debt at that time before that. But when he began to go into this manufacturing, by the year 1932, he had a net profit of $52,000. By the year 1934, he had a net profit of $340,000. And just four years later, his profit was $1.4 million. Well, as it turned out, two more things. Um, by the time World War II came on the spot, all the equipment that was used in many different ways in World War II, 70% of that was owned by Letourneau or manufactured by Letourneau. I'll show you a picture of it here. There's the cranes that would move the planes around. There's the building equipment. He's famous. You can look him up on YouTube. He's famous. He has almost 300 patents. He created what we think of as earth-moving equipment. He created much of that. He created the little idea of dragging planes around and having little carts to drag them around. He made so much money that at one point his wife said, honey, I think we need to change this. Instead of giving 10% to God and 90% to us, I think we need to flip that around. They began to give 90% of his income uh, to the work of the Lord, millions and millions and millions of dollars over the course of his lifetime, and he lived very happily on 10%. And God began to use him. He began to fly around the world, speaking to other businessmen, sharing the gospel. He was, it says in here that he was, uh, he was very afraid about getting in front of people to talk. He was very nervous about that. And as it turned out, as he, God began to open doors, he began to speak, and he became a very well-known speaker uh, for the sake of the kingdom. Here's what I want you to see. All of that is because he chose, I'm going to trust God in the principles of how I'm going to do my business. And as it turned out, God's faithfulness worked itself out. Now, did, am I trying to suggest that if you follow God in your principles that you will uh, become a millionaire or billionaire? I'm not suggesting that. What I am saying is, 
you can trust God. And he's just one example of that. So here's the thought for us here as we're thinking about our finances. Will we put our full weight into God's truth on finances? Will we trust him completely? Will I trust his truth? But even when I'm, when I'm following his truth, will I be able to be confident that, that he will be there for me even in my darkest moments as well as the good ones? Will I put my full weight on that? Will I put a sum of my weight on that, having a backup plan? Or will I choose to do my finances my own way? That's the choice we need to make. Will we trust God completely? It really comes down to this question of, do I believe that God cares for me? Do I believe that God knows best? I want you to turn your Bible to Philippians chapter 4, verse 10. I want you to look at two things. I'm going to call these... Uh, the twin pillars of grace in stewardship as we trust God. The twin pillars of grace. We're going to look at the first one here. How do I trust God? How do I really trust him at a heart level? Philippians chapter 4, uh, verse 10. Paul's talking to the Philippians who had sent him a, a gift, had been caring for him in his ministry. He says this, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I want to talk about for a minute how finances affect our hearts Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 says, Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. 1 Timothy 6, 6 says, But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing or covering... With these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, and into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Listen, God wants your heart to be free from the love of money. And he wants you to experience the peace of contentment. If you're going to trust God, but you're going to crave and love money, Scripture says you cannot have two masters. You will either love one and hate the other or vice versa. You can't serve God and money. You can only serve one. Why do we love money? I would be careful for us in this moment to say, well, I know somebody else that loves money. Loving money has nothing to do with your place in life. It has nothing to do with being rich or poor. It has nothing to do with anything other than that you are a human being. The love of money can snare any person, any heart. Why does it snare our hearts? Let me give you a couple reasons why it can snare our hearts. Sometimes we love money because we find our security in money. Sometimes we love money because of the stuff it gives us, the toys it gives us. The... Sometimes we love money because of very good things like provision just taken in a bad way. Sometimes we love money because it's our identity. My identity is in the money I make. 
My identity isn't how I provide my family. My identity is not that I'm a child of God and that God would always love me and care for me. Sometimes we love money because it's the power it gives us. Sometimes we love money because we simply love the joy of giving, which again is another good thing, but sometimes we can do good things for the wrong reasons. Scripture says the love of money snares our hearts. Certainly money comes from God, but money is not meant to be a God substitute. Why is it important for our hearts to be free from the love of money? Well, I'll just say this, and I want to encourage you. Money is good. It's not money. Some people have said, well, money's bad. Is that what Scripture said? No. Money's not bad. It's the love of money that's bad. Having money is not a problem at all. God does not want your heart going up and down with the place that your 401k is at. God does not want your heart going up and down with where your income or where the next contract's coming or, or, or will I or won't I or will we or God does not want your heart to go up and down. God wants your heart to be at peace. Thank you so much for listening to Meeting with God, the radio ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus, Ohio. If you missed part of today's message or would like to hear other messages from Pastor Luke Ahrens, please visit our archive of Meeting with God radio programs at our website, verticalchurch.life. There you'll find a collection of past messages from God's Word, which you can listen to easily, as well as share with your family and friends. Also on our website, you can learn how to connect with Vertical Church personally if you're in Columbus or leave a prayer request. As always, we hope you'll join us here tomorrow at the very same time for your meeting with God. Meeting with God is the teaching ministry of Vertical Church Columbus. For more information, go to verticalchurch.life.